0: It's uh, no surprise, uh, although sometimes I'm not expecting, but uh, never never fails that Jason... I mean, uh, Brian shares some things that really touch me. The talk of God's glory this morning I thought was so apropos, so appropriate and fitting because God's glory, as, as some of the scripture that Jason shared pointed out... Although we sometimes think of, of majesty and brilliance and things that are almost beyond our experience, glory has to do with worth and weight, value. And glory, big part of glory in the Old and the New Testament has to do with God's nature and character. And that's why when he shows Moses his glory, he recounts, and we just read just the first little part of it but he recounts the qualities of his character. Now that's significant this morning because as we look at love always hopes. Hope is grounded in the faithful word of a faithful person. And God's character really becomes an issue then for the source of of an enduring hope. Hope in all circumstances. Hope in all situations. So as we think about hope, remember and think about the glory of God. And just as a backdrop to that, I, I don't know why, I. maybe it sounds odd or seems odd to you, but today after church I'll, I'll finish Homer's Odyssey. I, have, I left one book, which is really kind of like a chapter in the Odyssey. I read the Iliad in the Odyssey, just couldn't put them down. It's been fascinating. This is 8th eight, century B.C. literature. And, uh, but what is striking to me, and I love to read about the customs and kind of read between the lines, see all the kinds of things that they do and get a sense of their household and their clothing and how they relate to one another as well as the plot and the story itself. But, you know, they, they believe in many gods. I mean, it's just gods everywhere. But what's striking, by contrast, is the gods are are partisan. They take sides. They pick on each other. They fight with one another. They're deceitful, cunning. And the people, they're always pleading with the gods because they really don't know how the gods are going to receive them if the gods are going to help them. And I just thought, it's no surprise that even in general Greek use, Hope, although it's used very much in the ways that we do, they don't really have a great ground for hope like we do because the character and the qualities of their gods are just not that certain. Our God's character and quality is certain. We know that from His love, and He validated His love when Jesus Christ gave His life for you and me. That tells us, always go back to the cross as the emblem of God's great love for you. Because it demonstrates, even as Paul said in Romans, his letter to the Romans, it demonstrates that even while we are yet sinners, that is, either rebelling against God or indifferent about God, He demonstrated His love toward us. Now that's an initiative that creates hope. That's a good word, we call that the gospel, that creates hope. And it's no surprise that love hopes. So let's uh, turn to 1 Corinthians 13, as we finish up verses 4 through 7. And it is in those verses, 4, 5, 6, and 7, that... Paul shows us, describes to us what love does. Love is an action, and he tells us what love does, and we finish that up this morning with always hopes, and then you'll see why it always perseveres. Let me start at verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels... By the way, when I think of speaking in the tongues of men, I guess we could think of different languages, but I can remember when I was so insecure, it was I, I was very quiet. You couldn't hardly drag a word out of me. And I, I longed to be able to put into words the deep feelings that were in my life and in my heart. I admired people that could speak fluently. So when I hear that, I even think, Boy, if I speak in the tongues of men just to have a a ready tongue, a fluent tongue, some people find it hard to put their feelings or what they're going through or what's going on or their great aspirations and ideas into words. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. In other words, I accomplish nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be still. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Four, let me explain. We know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child But the greatest of these is love. The word for hope in the Greek language is elpizo. Elpizo. Can you say elpizo? Do you know what elpizo means? It means hope. Do you know what hope means? I find that we intuitively know what hope means, but it can be a little slippery. So I want to look at hope a little bit this morning. We're going to look at the feeling and the foundation. Last Sunday, just a week ago after church, Shelly gathered up my, my grandson Jacob. Jacob is Five. Five. And he was sitting in his protective traveling seat and Shelley was at the wheel and she was talking to, to Jacob as they were on their way to pick up a couple of great nephews, young nephews that were going to join them and go to see James and the Giant Peach. As some of you saw that. Kay Whistler, who belongs to our, our church family, directed that. Uh, Amy McKay was in it. And so as they're traveling, and I think you parents can identify with this, Shelly begins to prepare Jacob for the play. It's not every day a five-year-old sits in the dark through a play at some length, and so we're going to a public place, and so she says, Jacob, I want you to stay right by my side. Jacob, I want you to make good choices. Jacob, I want you to pay attention. And Jacob replies, "Mimi, you want me to be proactive, right?" <laughs> yes," Shelley said, "I want you to set an example to your cousins." And Jacob said, "I know, Mimi, you want me to be a leader." proactive. That wasn't even a word when I was five. (laughs) We hear it a lot, but what does it mean? Well, certainly it means act, don't react, don't wait to be asked, but jump in, do the right thing, proactive. These are things, by the way, five-year-olds are learning at school. I'm very impressed. (laughs) Good leaders are proactive. Good leaders are also hopeful. We all need hope. There's a prominent car dealer in town. And I see his commercials. He has a kind of a tagline. It's a, it's a slogan. It's a motto of his business. You can count on us. You can count on us. Hope, you see, is anchored in a faithful word from a faithful person. And if you're shopping for a car or it's some other endeavor and you have been disenchanted or disappointed or discouraged because you've heard a word that's created hope but then it's turned out to be a false hope, sometimes when somebody says, you can count on us, that creates a hope. It creates action. You're willing to try that out and find out if it's, if it's true. That's the way hope works. Hope inspires hope. I don't know if I'm gonna get my next car there, I don't get many cars. But in, in a world where words are cheap and promises broken, expectations disappointed, optimism dashed, and hopes go unfulfilled, we like to hear someone say, you can count on us. There are big hopes and small hopes. It's said that hope springs eternal. In the Greek language, just like in the English language, there are two meaningful senses in the way hope is used. It's used of a feeling that we have. We can be exhilarated, hopeful, excited, anticipating optimistic that's a feeling that we can say that's hope and then there's another important sense in the way the word hope is used it's used as the ground or the foundation or the anchor that supports that feeling we want to look at those two senses this morning let's look at the feeling of hope for a moment when we feel hope We're encouraged. We're energized. We start making choices toward the future, constructive choices. It affects our countenance and our spirit. And we become even a source of hope and encouragement. You've probably known this even in your own family. Sometimes the kids are discouraged. But mom, with her superior wisdom, experience, life experience, she creates hope for those little ones. Because she can see things they can't see. I mean, you understand what I'm talking about. Maybe on a bigger scale, where there is no hope, there's a sense of impossibility. Robert Schuller, in his book, and this is some 25 years old, Tough Times Never Last, But Tough People Do, Love Perseveres. He writes, Understand the power of this word, Impossibility. When uttered aloud, this word is devastating in its effect. Thinking stops. Progress is halted. Doors slam shut. Research comes to a screeching halt. Further experimentation is torpedoed. Projects are abandoned. Dreams are discarded. The brightest and the best of creative brain cells turn off. In this defensive maneuver, the brain shelters itself against the painful sting of insulting disappointments, brutal rejections, and dashed hopes. We become immobilized. That's my, not the quote, but we become immobilized. But he turns it around and he says this, Let someone utter the magic words. It's possible. Buried dreams are resurrected. Sparks of fresh enthusiasm flicker. Tabled motions are brought back to the floor. Dusty files are reopened. Lights go on again in the darkened laboratories. Telephones start ringing. Typewriters, I told you it was 25 years old. Typewriters make clattering music. Budgets are revised and adopted. Help wanted signs are hung out. Factories are retooled and reopened. New products appear. New markets open. The recession has ended. A new era of adventure, experimentation, expansion, and prosperity is born. Hope. Hope makes a difference, doesn't it? Hope gets people going. Hope shapes their decisions. People who hope are leaders. They see doors where others see walls. They get up when others get down. It reminds me of a letter between Lewis and Johnson and. These words caught my attention. The natural process of the mind is not from enjoyment to enjoyment, but from hope to hope. Hope is essential. Hope is vital. Hope gets us going. Obviously, there's such a thing as false hope. We can put our hope in things that aren't faithful, aren't dependable, as I said, hope from a faith, in a faithful word from a faithful person is strong medicine. And so let's look at the foundation of that feeling, of that powerful energy that gets people going. In the New Testament, hope and the encouragement it brings is grounded in knowing. Knowing about God, knowing what is revealed. In fact, Paul, in First Thessalonians, just to pull upon a, a, a really strong example where people have lost some loved ones to death, and uh, they're, they're discouraged. And Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant. Now what is ignorance? It's not knowing. I don't want you to be ignorant as those who have no hope. And he goes on to remind them of what God has done in Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and what that means for them and their loved ones who've died. It created hope. And then in verse 18 he says, Therefore encourage each other with these words. Knowing is a basis of great hope and great encouragement. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18 and 19, the writer says, God did this so that we who take hold of the hope offered us may be greatly encouraged. This hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. A faithful word, From a faithful person. For those of us who know God, that faithful word is his word to us. And he is the faithful foundation behind it. Even as I said at the outset, we can know God is for us. He took the initiative in loving us. He took that initiative so that we might have confidence in his disposition and attitude toward us. And that sustains us through difficult times. And when things around us seem to be going wrong or upside down or bad, we don't have to doubt that God is for us. And we can weather those things with an optimism and a confidence that doesn't cause us to crumple in discouragement, to give up and to languish. We can continue to be energized and move with God, even in the face of the kinds of things that others bring, other, for others, brings despair. In the Old Testament, hope is found in the Lord just as it's found in the New Testament. And it's a firm foundation. These familiar words I think will encourage you. From Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31. Listen to them in the light of this foundation. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Hope as Paul said is not hope if it's something seen. In other words, it's something that we expect. It's something that hasn't yet arrived. But we have a confidence in it, even though it's not yet seen. By the way, that's why that conversation in the letter between Lewis and Johnson, see, we, we don't move from enjoyment to enjoyment. That's present experience to present experience. We move from hope to hope. And so it is with the Lord. So where does this strength that renews us come from? Not always from what is already or what we're already enjoying. No, it comes from the Lord. Our confidence in Him. His character, His faithfulness, and His faithful word. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint because of hope in a firm foundation in the Lord. While others don't walk, don't run, they sit, they mope, they languish, they're wearied, they're immobilized by the sadness in the heart and the tapes that they play in their minds, the pity party that they hold around the clock. But that's not... what takes place in those who put their trust and hope in the Lord my mom's favorite psalm I remember when, when she was hospitalized, a hospital that she never left, I would go and read her this psalm, three verses in particular speak of hope, Psalm 25 3, 5 and 21 let me read verse 3 no one whose hope is in you you O Lord will ever be put to shame Verse 5, guide me in your truth and teach me. Well, there's his faithful word, you see. That's what he says to us that we can take to heart. It's truth. What is truth in the Old Testament? It's that which is reliable, that which is faithful. It's something that when you look at it, it's not warped or broken. It's sure and steadfast. Your word is truth, he says. For you are my God, my deliverer, and my hope is in you all day long. And then in verse 21, May integrity and uprightness protect me, because my hope is in you. When you trust and put your hope in the Lord, when you're in a relationship with Him, integrity and uprightness characterize your life But if as an atheist, a quote of whom I read this week, he hopes there is no God. If you ever get to that point, then integrity and uprightness will not be grounded in your relationship with the Lord. It won't be inspired by your confidence and certainty in the Lord. Does that make sense? We're good because we know in the end good wins. Because God is good. It triumphs over evil. Because God will triumph over evil. And that's why we're good, not just because people are good to us, and that's why we love, not just because they love us first, but because of God. And in the same way, we hope. Because His character, His glory, who He is, it gives us hope. And that's why we don't languish and give up hope. That's why impossible is not a part of our dictionary. In Psalm 130 verse 5, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in His word I put my hope. There are four words in the Old Testament for hope. Two of them are used right here in Psalm 130 verse 5. All four of those words have to do with waiting, not languishing, not giving up, not laying down, not going to sleep in depression and sadness. It's expectantly waiting upon the Lord. And here, the metaphor in this verse is that of a watchman, and no matter how long the night no matter whether it seems endless, the watchman knows morning is certain and it's time determined. And you see, in the same way, the psalmist waits upon the Lord. He knows the morning is certain. He knows the time of the Lord is determined. And he can have confidence in that. Hope, is a confession of assurance in the Lord. No wonder love is patient. No wonder love perseveres. It always hopes. And really, where would this love come from if He didn't first love us? That is the source of hope. Have you ever thought about the ending of this great chapter 13 faith hope and love this week i was pondering that does faith produce hope and hope produce love well that could that could work is there a sequence in other words but i realized maybe it's that faith comes from hope and hope comes from love i tend to think so because in verse 7 he says love always hopes And then at the end, he says, the greatest of these is love. Faith from hope, hope from love. Because God is the source of our hope. Love doesn't get down. It always gets up. It always hopes. A friend of mine who happens to be on our board, uh, which came first? I don't know. (laughs) I love the guy. I think our friendship has grown. You know, in an email, I know some of you, maybe some of you don't use email. I know my in laws don't. It's kind of hard for me to imagine a world where, you know, everything's so computer oriented these days. But when you get an email, it's like a standard mail, only it comes through your computer or your phone, smartphones. And often at the bottom, the person will put their name. Some have kind of imprinted in that email so that every email they send out, there's a little tagline. And sometimes it's a quote, sometimes it's a verse, or whatever they want to say. And this is his, it's on the bottom of every one of his emails Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Isn't that beautiful? That's right from Romans chapter 12, verse 12. But I wanted to draw your attention, joyful in hope. You see, where hope really gets a hold of us, where it moves from our head to our heart, changes our countenance, starts to affect our decisions, gets us out of the doldrums, gets us up and moving. When hope moves that way into our heart, there is joy, even in the midst of tough circumstances. Joyful in hope. That is obvious. The evidence that we've taken these things to heart and we really trust the Lord. Romans five 3 through five, we can rejoice too. Paul writes when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance or, pers- or perseverance, as he says, lo- love is persevere, perseveres. Verse 4, and endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of deliverance or salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. Disappointment comes from hopes that are false or grounded in false things. And then he says, we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. You know, in Jason's calling, this calling that is, uh, in this case, calling him to the next great work of God in his life and the next great ministry in the way God's going to use him, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful not when I think of myself. When I think about myself, I get sad. I could indulge my woes. I could make it all about me and I could throw a tantrum on top of a pity party. I kind of like the way that just kind of sounds. Tantrum on top of a pity party. Tantrum on top of a pity party. But it captures the thing where sometimes we just Woe is me. I'm so sad. This is What am I going to do now? This is, this is hard for me. And it is. It's not easy. But I want you to understand something. I've been through this a lot. My faith has grown as I've trusted the Lord. I'm more hopeful today than I was when I first started walking with the Lord. His faithfulness rings true to me more than it's ever happened before. When, if, if hoping in the Lord and walking by faith is kind of a hard thing for you or a new thing for you, you will get stronger as you trust Him because He will prove Himself faithful to you. So be encouraged. And just as I said, a parent sometimes talks to a child, and the child, their world, all they can see is, you know, very, very finite, uh, very small worldview they have. And moms can give them hope and give them assurance and confidence, even though their little world is kind of dark and dismal. We're like those children before the Lord. We don't see the big picture, but He comforts us and encourages us and says, be confident in me. Don't let these temporal circumstances take over your life. Trust me. Follow me. You know, we finished uh, before this series on 1 Corinthians 13. Next Sundays our last in this, in this series. I'm going I'm to miss it. It's been really rewarding to my heart and my soul. It refreshed me and encouraged me and challenged me. But we were in Genesis, and I never forget at the time. it, it really spoke to me and uh, it was a great study for me, and some of the things that I studied were, were new challenges. Noah, in particular, was particularly striking, 7, 8, and 9 of Genesis. And I remember sympathizing with him and, and feeling what it must have been like, or imagining, trying to imagine what it must have been like in that ark. I don't think I, it really hit me until that study how many days they were on that sea. I mean, that blew my mind. I, I thought it was maybe 40 days. No, no, it was over a year. That's incredible. That's incredible. And he would check, you know, after the rain stopped in a period of time, he'd go outside and he would look for some sign of life. And he'd send out a, a raven or he'd send out a dove. And they'd come back with nothing. And then one day a dove came back with a little olive branch. Now when he received that olive branch, what do you think he did with it? I get Max Lucato uh, devotions that come in my email and he was talking about this. He raises that question. He says, do you think he just tossed it overboard, kept the information to himself? Or do you think maybe he put it in the fold of his robe, thinking that someday he'll press it and put it into a keepsake book? Or do you think he whooped? Or yelped? I think he whooped. Hey, everybody! And he called the crew of his family. To his side and he said look what I found <laughs> and it's interesting because Max Lucato says he passed he probably passed that around like the hope diamond it was you see we pass hope on when we get that hope that's rooted in the Lord because of our trust and faith and walk with him we become hopeful people And it all begins with the fact that He loves us. And we who love like He loves, we just become sources and fountains not only of love, but of the hope that comes with love. Because love is so constructive and so encouraging. Please stand with me? You know, we come to the the close here, and I wanted to... uh, I wanted to do something. I've done it privately. But you know, I've told you that in verses 4 through 7, Paul puts a great emphasis on what love does. And so with that in mind, I'd like to put my name where love is. And I'd like to do that right now. And I'd like you to put your name where love is. John Venema is patient and he is kind. John doesn't envy, doesn't boast. He's not proud. John Venema isn't rude. He's not self-seeking. He's not easily angered. And he keeps no record of the wrongs done against him. He doesn't delight at evil. He rejoices with the truth. He always tries to protect, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. I hope you'll do that. Every time I think of it that way and make it my prayer, I know that I fall short. And I ask the Lord to continue to do a great work in me. But I know today it's more true than it was when I first started walking with the Lord. This is what God wants to make each of us into. This characterization of the worth and value of His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. And of his own heart. Let me pray for us. Gracious Heavenly Father. We do want to be loving people. We want your love. To do its perfect work. And. Bring about its perfect joy. In our lives. We ask Father that. Today and throughout this week. Your spirit will just prompt us encourage our hearts, sow hope for the days to come, for the calling on our lives, for the one you want us to become, which is to be like Jesus Christ. And all this we pray in Jesus' matchless name and all people said, Amen. May God bless you and cause His face to shine upon you. This has been a production of Grace Community Church of Visalia. For more information, go to our website at www.gccvisalia.org or for more sermons, go to gccviceliaorg podcast.